Welcome to 1.5 Celsius, a podcast that makes understanding the science behind the climate crisis simple. I'm your host, Kirthi, and I'll be talking about all things related to global warming and what you can do to help save our planet. In today's episode, we'll be taking a deep look into everyone's favorite quintessential pollutant, plastics. We're going to be covering everything from microplastics to manufacturing, so buckle up. Plastics. They've been demonized by the media for years as people tout images of sea turtles strangled by plastic bags and straws littering beaches. But what makes them such a prominent antagonist in the eyes of environmentalism? Well, since the 1950s, we've produced 8.3 billion tons of plastic. Almost 80% of that amount, which amounts to 6.64 billion tons, has ended up somewhere in the environment or in a landfill. And because of that, there is practically no place on Earth left untouched by plastic pollution. There's plastic waste on Mount Everest, Antarctica, and even the deepest point on Earth, the Mariana Trench. If you stop and think about how remote these locations are, the implications of all this is more than slightly terrifying. Yet the amount of plastic produced globally is only continuing to increase. In 1950, we produced 1.5 million metric tons, and in 2019, this number had shot up to 368 million. Yikes. As of right now, this number is predicted to grow even more, reaching up to 2,000 million metric tons in 2050. There are two major issues with this. One, plastics don't degrade easily, and two, their production actually contributes to global warming. Let's start with the first point. Plastics can last a long time, and by that I mean hundreds to thousands of years. There are different types of plastics, but one of the most common types is PET, or polyethylene terephthalate, which is found in objects like plastic bottles. PET takes about 500 to 700 years to begin to degrade, while plastic bags, typically made of low or high density polyethylene, take upwards a millennium. Oh, and fun fact, the little recycling symbols on plastic products with numbers in them actually have nothing to do with recycling. They're just indicative of what type of plastic the object is made of. For example, the one represents PET, while a five is for polypropylene. If you have some free time and would like to know what kind of plastic your Tupperware is made out of, you can just Google plastic symbols to find an answer. Sorry about that tangent. Okay. So why are plastics virtually indestructible? To answer that question, we're going to have to look at some chemistry. So get ready. The majority of plastics originate from a monomer called propylene. A monomer is essentially the basic chemical unit of any substance, and they can bond together to form a larger unit known as a polymer. This happens to be the case for propylene monomers, which link together using strong carbon-carbon bonds, creating a polymer called polypropylene. Actually, I think that name makes perfect sense. And the reason these bonds don't break easily is because they're foreign to bacteria that decompose materials in the environment. Nature doesn't make anything like that. As a result, plastics are called xenobiotics. The bacteria are more familiar with peptide bonds, a different type of bond that links amino acids. While plastic manufacturers could create polymers using peptide bonds instead of carbon bonds, this could really hurt the product's shelf life. Like, if you have a jar of peanut butter, you probably don't 
want your jar to start degrading with the peanut butter still inside. However, there are developments centered on biodegradable plastics. Just to clarify, biodegradable means that the material can be broken down naturally by microorganisms without harming the environment. There are also some synthetic ways to decompose plastics that can help accelerate the process. Scientists are still working through this, but some alternatives include chemical additives, heat, and pressure. Unfortunately, there's another drawback to plastic breakdown. When plastics are weathered due to wind abrasion, ultraviolet light, or something else, it creates tiny pieces of plastic less than five millimeters known as microplastics. The ones that break off of larger plastics, as I just mentioned, are called secondary microplastics, while fragments that are already less than five millimeters before entering the environment are called primary microplastics. The latter comes from sources like plastic fibers used in synthetic textiles or microbeads from cosmetics. Secondary microplastics are much more common. All right, so is this actually a problem? You're probably expecting me to say, yes, of course it is, but ha, that's where you're wrong. Well, sort of. Right now, there just isn't enough information for scientists to reach a definitive conclusion. While microplastics have been around for a long time, we just haven't known about them until relatively recently. For the most part, though, scientists are wary at best. In 2015, the estimate was that there were anywhere from 15 trillion to 51 trillion microplastic particles in Earth's water, and that doesn't even include terrestrial contamination. To make matters worse, they're in the air and in our food as well. Humans can ingest up to 100,000 specks of microplastics every single day. Okay, all of this sounds incredibly alarming, but because of how tiny these particles are, we don't really know the extent to which they affect us or the environment. Currently, though, there are a few theories as to how these could potentially be harmful. Marine organisms can ingest too many microplastics and be unable to eat foods with actual nutritional value. Microplastic fibers in particular seem to present the highest risk. According to a 2017 study, zooplankton produced half the amount of usual larvae as they typically do when exposed to microplastics. The particles also caused deformities in the animal's body and interfered with their swimming abilities. Although this is devastating for the zooplankton themselves, these organisms also happen to be at the bottom of the food chain, making a lot of marine life dependent on them as a food source. So in other words, if zooplankton got knocked out, it would have an effect on a lot of different animals, like fish, which poses a serious issue, especially with our reliance on seafood as a primary food source. So now let's look at the second issue with plastics, which is a little less well-known. In every step of their pretty long life cycle, there are a lot of emissions involved. Just in 2019, the production and incineration of plastic added over 850 million metric tons of greenhouse gases to the atmosphere. But let's look at each step individually. Plastic is a petroleum-based product, and oil, gas, and coal are required to produce it. So the first step in their creation technically begins with the extraction of these materials, and processes like fracking and land clearing are incredibly harmful to the environment. 
Similarly, the manufacturing and refining part also releases millions of tons of greenhouse gases every year. And since 40% of plastics are used for packaging purposes, they're often tossed out pretty quickly, which results in three possibilities. The plastics can end up in a landfill, be recycled, or get incinerated. While landfills certainly aren't eco-friendly, incineration is arguably the worst outcome. Not only does burning plastic create a lot more emissions, it also releases harmful pollutants into the air. Research shows that low-income communities of color are the most at risk to be exposed to the pollution, making it a massive environmental injustice. Recycling plastics is definitely a more promising alternative, but the majority of plastics can't actually be recycled. After all, by definition, recycling is when a material is used to create a product of roughly equal value as the original. On the other hand, downcycling is when you're creating something of lesser value than the material you started with. Plastic gets weaker every time it's recycled, so it actually ends up being downcycled the majority of the time. And even then, only 10% of all plastic waste is recycled or downcycled. The rest just ends up back in the environment as a pollutant. Not all hope is lost, though. If we start manufacturing plastics using zero-carbon energy sources like solar, wind, or nuclear, the amount of emissions produced in that phase would be cut in half. Likewise, using bio-based raw material during refining might also help. Ultimately, though, these tactics won't be enough on their own to offset the impact of producing a massive amount of plastic in the next few years. How to best diminish the negative consequences of plastic is still a point of contingency today. Technically, producing plastic produces less CO2 per gram than glass or aluminum, but this definitely doesn't tell the entire story. After all, glass and aluminum can be recycled time and time again, and they're heavier. Besides, marine life isn't choking on glass pollution. Of course, there's a lot of pushback from petrochemical companies like Exxon and Dow Chemical. In the end, getting rid of plastic altogether probably isn't feasible right away. I mean, just look in your cupboard. To keep its environmental impact low, we have to decrease the amount of plastic being produced and find more carbon neutral ways to produce it. Naturally, if we're trying to move away from plastic, we'll have to find other materials to replace it. And not all plastic alternatives are created equal. Branding something as biodegradable or green-friendly doesn't magically make it great to use. For example, biodegradable single-use water bottles are of little help. For one, they can't decompose except in a very particular environment with lots of heat and moisture making it very unlikely for them to actually be exposed to this environment and break down. And while bamboo straws do sound very eco-friendly, 60% of their material typically comprises resin, a chemically formed plastic. In addition, exporting bamboo from China has a huge carbon footprint. If you're looking to reduce plastic waste, the best options are typically the ones that you can use for a long time. Instead of using plastic bags, you can just invest in a tote bag that you can hold your groceries for years to come. The same goes for water bottles or straws. In fact, skipping the straw is the best option, but if you are in dire need of one, aluminum is a pretty good way to go. Now, there are definitely caveats to each of these substitutions. 
Some people don't have the ability to make these swaps, but if you can, avoiding plastic is definitely a step in the right direction. Let's sum things up. 6.64 billion tons of plastic produced globally end up back in the environment, either in a landfill or as pollution. Because plastic lasts so long, it ends up having some really harmful effects on native wildlife. It only starts to degrade after centuries because of its chemical composition. Its strong carbon-carbon bonds are unfamiliar to environmental microbes that break down material, making plastic a xenobiotic. Often, when large plastics are weathered, they create tiny fragments called microplastics. Microplastics are abundant in almost every environment on Earth, and humans and animals alike perpetually ingest them. While this is definitely cause to be wary, there is little conclusive research on the consequences of microplastics, especially on human beings. The creation of plastics is also incredibly emissions-intensive, as it's a petroleum-based product. To help alleviate the issue, people are looking at ways to decrease emissions from its life cycle, but also decrease the amount of plastic that gets produced every year. At the consumer level, we can avoid using so many single-use plastics and instead focus on products with a longer lifespan to minimize waste. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to follow it so that you don't miss any future updates and share it with anybody who might be interested. You can also leave us a rating on Spotify to help support the show. See you next time!